again today. Um, it's a real blessing coming home, and it, it is just like meeting with family. Um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may you continue to be glorified and our hearts inspired, challenged and encouraged this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm just going to begin with a report on our last term in Thailand, followed by describing the task remaining and the way forward. In 2020, we came back to, to New Zealand for three months, but unfortunately we got stuck here for an extra seven. And during that time, our visas had expired and the Thai government uh, refused to let our category of visa to return anyway. So there, were, there was a lot of effort and breathtaking moments trying to get back to Thailand last year early, no, at the end of 2020. But God was in control, and although the embassy, Thai embassy in Wellington weren't taking phone calls, I actually got a mobile number in an email uh, later on from the, the consular officer. And so I was able to ring her and explain the situation. And she said, well, right then, um, they were accepting New Zealanders back on a retirement visa. So um, that, that was, uh, we applied and that was approved. And then there was another miracle following, um, following that in the scramble to get seats on only one of two planes allowed from New Zealand into Thailand in December. 2020. Um, however, to book that online, you had to have your visa first, and we were waiting and waiting for them to come back from Wellington, <laughs> and I'm ringing up, and they said, oh, they've left, and I'm ringing up the courier company, and yes, yes, they're, they're, they're in Cromwell somewhere, and it was half an hour before flights opened online to book, um, and we knew we had to be quick. So the, I got hold of the courier driver and said, yep, you'll, you'll be first delivery after lunch. And that happened, and we managed to get flights. And we, we were one of only a few foreigners on that flight, um, and it was full with Thai students returning home at the end of the year. So we give thanks to God for enabling us to return to Thailand to sort out things for the future. On arrival in Bangkok, we then spent 15 nights in MIQ, and during that time, COVID accelerated all around uh, us in the hotel and in that province where we were, near the airport. Um, however, we were happy campers to finally get back to Chiang Mai on New Year's Eve, so it was a, a particular special celebration that night. One focus for last year was preparing everything just in case we never got back to Thailand in the future. And this included um, legal proceedings regarding our foundation and also tweaking aspects of our ministries for smooth operation. Our team members, the hostel parents you saw there, Narrate and Awa at uh, Magem, um, and also 
our folk in Chiang Mai, Peter and Sue at Lee, were devastated when we said that we'd be based in New Zealand in the future. But they've risen to the challenge and continue to excel and are blessed in their roles. During the year, um, from Chiang Mai, we went on a five-week, 2,000-kilometre road trip to visit all our mission partners with World Outreach in Thailand to encourage them and to review their ministries. Um, we also spend a lot of time with the Thai couple, who John and Nock, who are leading several very fruitful disciple-making movements. During that time, I was constantly checking MIQ website for room releases for the 5th of November back in New Zealand because we'd already booked the flight to get back six months earlier to save $2,000. $2,000 to a missionary is, is quite a lot. So, and, and in those days when we made the booking, there was no 20,000 people trying to get back. Um, after three weeks of trying to guess when they'd released the month of November, I, I finally said to the Lord, because I'd get up at four o'clock in the morning and, and check through till after lunch in Thai time, which is office time back here. And after three weeks of that, I said, Lord, am I lacking faith? And the very next day, as I checked one last time at 10 minutes past midday in Thailand or 10 past 5 p.m. here, as I looked at the calendar, the month of November was released. The very moment I locked in. Two minutes later, our booking was confirmed. Four minutes later, an alarm went out on Twitter, after which 20,000 other New Zealanders began a frantic lolly scramble to book. And 30 minutes later, the whole of November was gone, but we had to get that specific day of the 5th. It was an absolute miracle. We'd read so many sad stories of people trying to book for months and failing to do so. So we give all, all praise to God. Our leaving Thailand was a little disappointing in that we couldn't get to the hostel as often as we would have wanted, which was two and a half hours from Chiang Mai City, because the local district had their own restrictions. And if we went, we'd, we'd then have to be there for t another two weeks before we could go back home. Also, because COVID at that at moment of us, with a month to go, it was exploding around Chiang Mai finally, um, and including our little housing village in part of the city. So we couldn't say goodbye to folk quite the way we wanted to. And in fact, we started saying goodbyes one to two months prior to, to leaving because we had to be on that flight and you had to have a negative test to do it. Um, so these are folk we'd known for 20 years. On the 3rd of November, we chucked our bags in the ute, left our rental house just as the new tenant was arriving to move in and we drove to the hospital to pick up our as yet unknown COVID test results for our flight the next morning in Bangkok. On the way to the hospital, which wasn't a far drive, an erratic driver came across into our lane and almost took us out. 
except for a split-second swerve. I'm not sure if I turned the steering wheel or if it was an angel. Um, but he missed us by centimetres, Sandy reckons millimetres, um, because it was on her side. <laughs> we picked up our COVID results, which turned out to be negative, so then we immediately drove nine hours to Bangkok, handed over the ute to the new owners in the hotel car park just before midnight, uh, who are also in the mission uh, with World Outreach working down there, and then flew out the next morning on an almost empty flight to Singapore. Um, a few observations of our 21 years in Thailand. I think important for us has been as disciples of Jesus, we're, on a, we're all on a journey of faith where God often just shows us one step at a time. But after we take that step, despite maybe feeling vulnerable, he then shows us the next one. Another thing is that the Lord uses those who are available as channels of his blessings and love. He doesn't so much look at our skills and, or resumes, our, our CVs, but he looks at our heart, our willingness to trust him no matter what. But comfort zones and selfishness hinder faith and love. But when we obey the nudges of the Holy Spirit to perhaps sacrifice time or money or comfort, we give an opportunity for others to see that God loves them and hasn't forgotten them. Just as he hadn't forgotten about those tribal kids and their families in very small, remote mountain villages. Each time we had a need or met an obstacle, which was quite often, our faith was stretched tight like a rubber band. But people prayed, including you folk, and each time the Lord answered in a wonderful way, usually at the last moment. God is seldom early, but never, ever late, pushing us out of our comfort zones for our own good, even though it might not feel like it at the time. So we give God all glory and thanks for his amazing grace, his patience, guidance and provision. As Sandy said, it was an absolute miracle we, we don't have many supporters. We don't know a lot of people. And he supernaturally produced $400,000 to build that three-building complex. It was quite a ride. So thank you too for walking with us in an amazing partnership over those years. And you're still walking with us. Um, and thanks also for the practical help that came from the guys that came on the short-term teams, God bless you all. Okay, I'll now take a look at the um, task remaining in the way forward. Um, in the first service, sorry, I'm caught a bit short here. In the first service, we had a, a designated reader, um, but that's not happening. So... 
Uh, turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 19 to 23, Paul says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. About six years ago, the Lord impressed upon us that although most of our work had been with tribal people, there hadn't been a lot of fruit from mission efforts to Thai Buddhists since beginning in Bangkok nearly 200 years ago. Only 1% of Thais are believers, but 50% of them live in the northern provinces and are mostly tribal folk. 93% of Thai live in a village with no Christian witness. Now this is possibly because the gospel came to Thailand with Western traditions which resulted in Western-style churches that hadn't been so effective in reaching Thai Buddhists over the years. Consequently, most Thais view Christianity, or even church, as foreign, where new converts are often pulled out of and cut off from society and putting new surroundings with new friends and vocabulary. So new New believers, Thai believers, tend to lose their Thai identity and even empathy towards Buddhist society, which further confuses, dishonours and sometimes even angers family, friends and community. So God's word and the Holy Spirit need to guide engagement with Thai Buddhists in a way which respects virtuous Thai values and provides opportunities for relationship building and discipleship through those existing networks of family, friends and communities. Rather than requiring a choice between Western-style church or their families, communities and culture. Engaging early on with unbelievers using vocabulary and illustrations in a Buddhist context to perhaps explain who Jesus is and what he did so they actually understand and in ways which are meaningful to them could be more fruitful. There are many Buddhist concepts and parables similar to biblical ones and dozens can be used initially to communicate the good news of Jesus and the kingdom of God. However, some concepts are completely different. For example, a classic misunderstanding 
the sharing with Buddhists about eternal life, because to them it means a miserable life on earth, experiencing the endless cycles of suffering and death with no escape from karma. So the concept of eternal life initially is bad news to a Buddhist. So on that note, Paul changed the way he presented the gospel according to his audience, such as in Athens when he saw an altar to an unknown god, as recorded in Acts chapter 17, verse 23. The messenger must seek to understand before trying to be understood. For example, of how God is already at work in that culture, and he's left certain keys within each culture of those they serve. And without this understanding, the messenger will find it hard to see what is already biblical and praiseworthy or truly wrong and demonic in that religion or culture. So in the reading I just had before, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul further alludes to gospel presentation and summarises it in verse 22. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. So Paul's aim was to become like the Corinthians so they could hear the gospel without cultural confusion. So Paul trusted God that repentant believers filled with the Holy Spirit, unburdened by foreign religious and cultural requirements, would grow, mistakes and all, as we did, by the grace, power and love of God. In other words, it's absolutely crucial that hearers understand the gospel from their world view, not the messengers. And it's true for outreach in Thailand, or perhaps even Geraldine. You'll know. The gospel must be relevant and understandable to our hearers in their own context and culture, which may not necessarily be our own background or experience. Around the world, there are now Christ-centered communities who may culturally still identify themselves as Hindus, Muslims and Buddhists because that's their cultural identity rather than calling themselves Christians because of foreign and colonial overtones. But these consist of people who obey Jesus as Lord and Saviour and the Bible as the Word of God yet they try to remain part of their culture and community as much as possible. This process helps other people see that Jesus truly is for them, the saviour for all, as the good news of Jesus is shared with those around them and they rely on him and his power from the beginning. So instead of promoting a religion, the gospel promotes the kingdom of God, a transforming, loving relationship with the Father through Jesus of those who together form a living community indwelt by God's Spirit, namely the body of Christ or the church. The Lord has graciously given gifts for service to all of his children to expand his kingdom in the hearts of people. Um, the Great Commission 
or Jesus' command in Matthew 28:19, to go and make disciples of all nations is for all of his disciples in some form or another. The word nations comes from the word ethnos, meaning people groups. And that same word is used to describe those from every people group standing before God's throne in Revelation 7, chapter, 9, uh, chapter 7, verse 9. There are still several thousand people groups without a viable witness to Jesus. So work in the world's harvest fields is far from over. An interesting observation on the side is that God has been sending migrants from many nations to New Zealand in order to hear the good news. Throughout history, God has established the gospel of his kingdom in people groups where there was little or no witness. So if the gospel is not willingly taken, then God will do it another way. Jesus says to go and make disciples who obey him wherever we are placed. So how do we in New Zealand reach at least two generations of mostly unchurched people who would never consider visiting a church service because it appears irrelevant? The answer is always Jesus. He is the gospel. We give them Jesus. And this applies both locally and internationally. Jesus is our model for everything. He visited people. He helped people. He associated with social outcasts and religious rejects. He ate with people. He encouraged hospitality. He taught love for our enemies. He told stories. Every miracle we did or parable we told is a potential story that illustrates the gospel. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. He used the scriptures. He didn't fear man nor death. And he looked for the fruit of repentance or faith. Many folk are waiting to hear, him, hear about him right now as God has already prepared their hearts. So what's God calling you to do here or beyond and how do you fit into the bigger picture? How will you use your God-given gifts to obey his command? Perhaps you have the gift of intercession. For example, you love to pray. Prayer is central in moving, pe is central in moving people to Jesus. Breakthroughs take place after intercession. It paves the way as they ask God for signs and wonders to happen, to move in people's hearts, to hold back demonic strongholds, call workers and bring about maturity in new believers. Perhaps you have the gift of giving or helps. Whatever gifts you have been given, there is a role for you and God's great commission team of disciples worldwide. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious Son and his sacrifice upon the cross, that we might experience your forgiveness and eternal hope.
Dear Lord, make us channels of your blessings, hope, healing, love and forgiveness to those you send us to or bring into our lives. Guide us all into being a vital, fruitful part of your body, your team, to enable others to come into your kingdom and spend eternity with you. Lord, open our eyes that we may see fields ready for harvest. Impress upon us our part to play in your heart's desire for the lost among the nations, to see many saved by the precious blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for your indwelling presence in our lives, for first loving us and counting the cost to set us free. Lead us to those you also want to touch to set free, that they also may know your love and forgiveness for them, and thereby glorify you and the Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>